Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those that are here uh, with us. And everyone who is watching online, we're so glad that you are with us as well. Uh, I wanted to give you a couple quick announcements. First, the uh, children and families had an awesome time at the movies. We went to see Polar Express yesterday. We want to say thank you to Catherine Barnes for organizing that. If you're online, say thank you, Catherine. Uh, I want to let you know behind the praise team, you see some wonderful poinsettias. Aren't they nice? They're very nice. So the poinsettias, uh, they are from Darden Rehab. Every year, the United Methodist Women purchase these. And volunteers are coming on Monday to take those to our caring angels. That's a really awesome thing that uh, the United Methodist Women do with that. We have Bible studies on Wednesday night. We have uh, groups for adults and children. And Pastor Sam's Bible study is here in the sanctuary. And if you don't want to come in person, you can watch it online in your pajamas. It's pretty great. Um, our Christmas Eve service, we're going to have two of them, one at four and one at six. We're asking you to please make reservations uh, so we know how many people are coming and how we can spread everybody out. Uh, you can make reservations online or call the church office. And also, you will see a beautiful angel tree. You might not be able to see it online right now. I don't know. But we have a beautiful angel tree here in the sanctuary. And uh, the uh, children on the tree, uh, we, we every year, uh, you can pick an angel and go buy Christmas presents. It's a great thing that we do. So you can stop by and do that. And my last announcement is next Sunday, December the 13th, we're going to have special music in our 11 o'clock traditional service which is going to be great. And now we are going to light our Advent candles. Watch and wait for Christ's coming. We light this candle in hope. And now we light our second candle, the candle of peace. Hear God's promise of peace from Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. A shoot shall call from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight in, shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide what his ears hear, but the righteousness he shall judge the poor and decides with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the farling together, and a little child shall, shall lead them. The crow will bear the crow, the crow and the bear shall, shall graze. Their young lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put his hand at the, at the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on any holy mountain from the earth, will be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall, not stand, as, at, shall stand as a signal to the people, the nation shall acquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Let's pray. Loving God, this Sunday we are so thankful for your peace that you bring. We pray this Sunday that you will fill us with your peace. Uh, help calm our hearts and our minds as we worship you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you. Thank you, Praise Band. And thank you for being here with us. If, if you're here in person, we're glad to see your beautiful faces. And if you're online, say hello to us. We're glad that you're worshiping with us. And it's just it's a joy to get to celebrate Advent with you. This is the second Sunday of Advent. We're moving right along, headed toward Christmas. And I hope that, that you're taking time to prepare your hearts as well as everything else. So um, thank you for your support, and one of the things that we always do, oh, by the way, children, almost forgot, Miss Beth is going to take you to Children's Church right now, so she's over here by the angel tree to my right and your left, and there you go. Uh, as they're making their way, I want to remind you that one of the things we traditionally do every year is take an offering to support the United Methodist Children's Home I could tell you a lot about the United Methodist Children's Home, tell you how awesome it is, but we have a video that's going to do a much better job of that. So at this time, just take a moment and watch this video about our children's home. Have you felt it? We sing about it, talk about it, and write about it this time of year, but have you truly experienced it for yourself? It's the joy of a Savior, that inward joy of knowing that we have a Savior who loves us and has made a way for us. And it's comfort, the comfort of knowing whatever challenges we face, whether now or in the future, not one of those can take away from what God has already done on our behalf. So what are we to do with this comfort and joy? Jesus says we are to share it. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's just what United Methodist Churches in Alabama and Northwest Florida have faithfully done 130 years now. They've been a light to kids in very dark circumstances. Vulnerable children in our communities need the basic necessities we all need. Food, clothing, and a roof over their heads. With your help, UMCH makes them feel at home and cares for them as if they were their own. But that's just the beginning. The neglect, abuse, and abandonment our kids have experienced is life-altering. But thanks to you, we're able to provide a safe haven where there's healing and hope. Most important of all, vulnerable children are looking for someone to love them. As a result of your support, we embrace them meet them where they are, and love them unconditionally. We are the light of the world, Jesus says. In celebration of the light God has placed inside of us, we are reminded of the need to share God's comfort and joy with those who may not have it. And you have the opportunity to be a beacon of God's love through the annual White Christmas offering. Your continuous support is vital to helping ensure these children know the true meaning of the season, a source of comfort and joy that will serve them all year round. Be a light this Christmas. Give comfort, give joy. Consider giving to the United Methodist Children's Home. So anytime from now until our Christmas Eve services, you can give our, uh, your offering for our white Christmas offering. It's something that we have a long history of doing, and I appreciate your support so much. As always, I appreciate your support of our church and our ministries. You can give online. You can drop it by the offering plate, drop it by the church office. Um, but thank you for supporting us. Support us with your prayers and let us know your prayer needs. We'll have our prayer team pray for you and pray with me now as we bow before the Lord. Lord, we realize that we take a lot of things for granted and maybe, maybe 2020 has taught us that we shouldn't do that. Uh, thank you for reminding us, Lord, what a blessing it is to have a, a home and friends and family. What a blessing it is to have health and be well enough to, to do the things that we want to do. So I pray, Lord, for grateful hearts. I pray for joyful hearts. I pray for your salvation and your healing and your wholeness uh, over all those who need it most right now for our whole world, Lord. And Lord, as we worship, continue to worship together, I pray that we will do that uh, with everything that we have from the inside out. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much, Molly, and for the praise band. Every week during Advent, we're looking at different titles that Jesus uh, that were given to Jesus, different uh, different names that are given to Jesus. They all have a special meaning, and they all uh, are something that are precious to us. And today we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, and talking about Jesus Christ the Savior. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 21. The birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I was at a big youth conference with the youth group from my church, and it was in this huge auditorium. There were hundreds of different youth, uh, youth from all over the place there. In the, this big auditorium, there was lots of noise and lots of energy and lots of music, several different speakers, and it was, it was great. It was wonderful, and maybe you've had a chance to do that. Pastor Andy, I know you've done stuff like that before. Uh, but I remember this one speaker because of what he did because of this thing that he did with all of us youth. It's, it's really hard to hold the attention of that many teenagers at the same time. But he said, he took his Bible out. He said, um, I've got to share with you a passage from Romans chapter 5. And he started with verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of the foundation of our, our Christian beliefs justified by faith not something we earned not something we did but justified by faith in Christ and we have peace with God just kind of a foundation um, and he had my attention of, of course because I was a grown-up and in uh, and, and all but uh, then he said verses 6 through 8 he got down to verses 6 through 8 he said for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly and when he said ungodly, he stopped, and he had everybody in the place to say ungodly. He said, I want everybody to say ungodly, and, and it, everybody was kind of like ungodly, and he said, no, I want you to scream it, and then everybody screamed ungodly. It was kind of fun, really. Um, and then he continued on with the verse. He said, indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone I actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, and then he stopped there and he had everybody just scream sinners, and then he let us point at each other and say, sinners, sinners, and that was a lot of fun. But then he continued on. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I thought, okay, dude, where are you going with this? And he said, um, I need some volunteers. We're going to do a skit on Romans chapter 5. And he said, I've got to have 10 volunteers. And so people, some of them reluctantly, some of them very enthusiastically started coming up. He said, I want you to come up here on stage with me. And every time someone from one particular youth group would get up, the, the kids from that youth group would all cheer, you know, and they would all, everybody was excited. They came up and they got up on the stage and they were over in the corner when uh, of the stage and the speaker said okay across this stage all the way across from the left to right is a, a range a, a kind of a, a continuum of goodness and evilness and and to the far left is the evilest evil you can think of and the par, far right would be the the best goodest that you could think of and we're going to have characters from history to represent this line this continuum of goodness and evilness 
And so he asked for volunteers. He said, okay, the first one, I need someone to volunteer to be uh, Mother Teresa. And this teenage boy held his hand up and and all his, his youth buddies were just cheering and everybody was like, he's like, I'm going to be Mother Teresa. And he said, okay, Mother Teresa, you're going to go all the way to the far right over here because Mother Teresa was really, really good. And he said, the next one I need is I need someone to volunteer to be Adolf Hitler. And this teenage girl raised her hand and you could tell that she was into it too. She was like telling the crowd they were cheering. He's like, all right, Adolf, you come over here and you'll be over here to the far left of the stage and then from there he kind of filled things in you know he had on the the right hand side of the stage he had I don't know the Pope and Martin Luther King and Billy Graham and all of these different characters on the left he had Attila the Hun and Osama bin Laden and I don't know Charles Manson and whoever he had he had he went through all of this volunteers and he had them all stretched across the stage in their appropriate space for their level of goodness or evilness and then he got down to this one volunteer left it was really shy uncomfortable teenage girl and she was wondering what was going to happen to her because she had not stepped up and volunteered for any of the other ones um and then he said okay before i tell you what you're going to do i'm going to go back and read this again and he said, God proves his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he told the girl, he said, you represent Jesus. And I'm going to let you decide where you think Jesus would stand on the stage. Who do you think Jesus would stand with on this stage? And the girl was, for a moment, I thought, Bless her heart, because she was a deer in the headlights for a few moments, and then she went, and she stood over to the far left of the stage, over there with Hitler and Attila the Hun and all of those other scandalous figures. And looking out at all of us in the, in the auditorium, he said, you know, on this continuum of good and evil people, who up here do you think needs a savior? Uh, do you think the people on the far left-hand side need a Savior? And everybody said, yeah. Do you think the people on the far right-hand side still need a Savior? And everybody said, yeah. And you knew that he had his point made because he said, let's see a show of hands. How many of you think that everybody up here needs a Savior? And we all raised our hands. And then he said, okay. In this whole auditorium, the hundreds of people in this auditorium, how many of you think that we all need a Savior? All of us do. And I raised my hand just as high as everybody else. Uh, so let me, if you're picturing yourself in this auditorium, in this picture, and maybe you're thinking about where you would be on this line of goodness versus evilness, Maybe not to the far left, but maybe not to the far right either. But maybe somewhere in the middle, but still, we all need a Savior, right? That's kind of the point. We all need a Savior. So that's, that's the first of four big truths I want to talk about today, that we all need a Savior. Would you say amen? If you, would you raise your hand if you're here? Let me see a show of hands. Uh, I'm not alone. Yes. And, and then I know that at home you're raising your hand or you could type amen in there. But if you think about it, that leads to the second point. The second big truth is that we, if we all need a Savior, that implies that we need to be saved from something. Um, we need to be saved from something. So the angel's message, we go back to the one we read in Matthew chapter 1, tells us what we need to be saved from. Uh, the angel told Joseph, you, Mary's going to have a child and you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to save them from their sins. We need saving from our sins. Remember the, the skit I talked about. Is that Christ came to save the ungodly. Right? Christ came to save sinners. All of us, right? We're saved from sin. So let's talk about sin today. 
That'll be fun. No, I'm just kidding. It won't really be fun, but it's something we need to do. By the way, beware of preachers that never talk about sin. And also, the flip side of that, beware of preachers that only talk about sin. Because the good news is we have a Savior. Um, the word for sin in the Bible in the Old Testament is hatah, and it means to stray off the path. Like, you know, in Isaiah 53, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We know that. We stray off the path. And then in the New Testament is hamartia, it's the Greek word, and it means to miss the mark. It's kind of like an archery term. Like if you picture a, an archery target, a bullseye, and someone shoots at the bullseye, and it misses the mark. In uh, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, it uses that word, that Greek word, and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short, we don't hit the mark, Right? So we know, don't we, if we have any level of self-awareness, we know that we are predisposed to wander off the path. We are predisposed to miss the mark. Um, that great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, I just love that hymn. It has a line in there which I really appreciate. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, prone to want to, do you feel that? I feel it. Do you feel that internal struggle, that internal pull that, that the Apostle Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7 when I know the thing that I want to do, I know the thing that I ought to do, and, and I got good intentions, but I don't do that sometimes, and I know the thing I ought not to do, and that's the thing I end up doing, the very thing I don't want to do. It's that inner nature that we have, that predisposition, that proneness to wander, that proneness to miss the mark. So if we are prone to wander and prone to miss the mark, and we are, right, let's just be honest, we are, then popping up out of that are two big implications. If we're prone to stray off the path, then that means that there is a path that we strayed from. If we're prone to miss the mark, that means there is a mark that we missed, right? And what I'm saying by saying this is that God loves us and God is not indifferent to our lives. God does have a path that God wants us to walk. God does have a mark that God wants us to hit. Because when you love somebody, you're not indifferent to their lives. You don't sit around just indifferently while they just trash their lives. You have a mark, you have a path, and God has that for us, a way that God wants us to live. That's what God was getting at. If we could go back to Exodus chapter 20 and look at the Ten Commandments, everybody's heard of the Ten Commandments. And a lot of people think about the Ten Commandments and they think it's just a list of do's and don'ts, but I look at the Ten Commandments and I see a path I see a God that, that loves his people and has a way that he wants them to live. I see a picture of what God wants. And the first four of them have to do with, you know, those two great commandments that Jesus said in the New Testament in Matthew 22, the two commandments on which everything else hangs. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four of them are all about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number one is, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of captivity. Have no other gods before me. And number two is, don't make for yourself any idols. And number three is, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And then number four is, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. It's all about loving God with everything. And then the last six have to do with loving your neighbor. You know, um, honor your father and mother. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't, don't steal things. Don't tell lies. Don't covet things. Treat your neighbor, in other words, in a way that is loving. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor with everything you have. That's the path. That's the mark. So if we would just stay on that, if we would just walk that path, if we would just hit that mark, then everything would be 
great, right? It'd be great, but we're prone to wander. And so the other thing that pops up when I know that I'm prone to wander and stray off the path, and I know I'm prone to miss the mark, the other thing that pops up is I'm going to need a Savior. I'm going to need a Savior. We've already established that we all need a Savior. We need saving from our sins. Why do we need a Savior? Because, I don't know, we just can't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. I don't, you can go to Books a Million to the self-help section and you can buy every book and you can have a plan on how to improve your life and reach enlightenment and solve your own problems and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but you can't save yourself from your sins. And sin is something that we all struggle with. Sin is something that's a battle going on inside of every one of us. No matter where you would fit on the continuum of goodness or evilness, sin is real and the suffering is real and the alienation is real and the guilt and the shame, they're real. We need a savior and sin is what we need saving from. And if I just stopped right here, that would be super depressing. But I'm not going to stop here because i got a couple of more things I want to say. The good news of great joy is that God has provided a Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the great good news we hear from Matthew chapter 1, right? Remember the announcement of the, the angel? Well, the angel came last. We talked about last week uh, that Jesus is the Messiah, the King, and, and Jesus... Uh, Mary uh, got a visit from the angel Gabriel and she was told she's going to have a son he was going to be the king the most high and she said let it be unto me even as you've said but did you think about what she had to do after that after she heard that message she had to go tell Joseph right she was engaged to Joseph she had to go tell him and I've always wondered what that conversation was like when she went and found Joseph and said, hey, honey, um, I've got some exciting news. And he was like, what? And she said, I'm going to have a baby, but it's okay. I didn't cheat on you. This is a child of, that's going to be um, born. It's going to be the son of God. And it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, don't run away. Joseph, honey. Joseph, quite understandably, was suspicious as we, any of us would be, he was confused. He was planning on divorcing her, which he would have had to do, to do, even though they were just engaged. He would have had to divorce her to avoid public scandal. And then he got a visit from the angel, too, which we just read from Matthew chapter 1. And the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and then he said this, and I really want you to listen to this. Mary's going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. So let's just stop right there for a second and ask the question, why Jesus? Why, why not something else? There are other plenty of good, strong biblical names. Why Jesus? Why this child that was conceived by the Holy Spirit that was going to be the son of the Most High? that was going to reign as the Messiah and King forever. Why? Jesus. Well, the angel tells us in the next phrase, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was going to be the child's name because the very name Jesus means God saves. Jesus' name tells what he's going to do. He is going to be the Savior Remember when the angels came to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2? They said, we have a message of good news to great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. A what? A Savior. A Savior. This is great good news to all people. Jesus is the Savior. This is good news. This is what God promised because we all need a Savior Sin is what we need saving from, and God has provided that because God loves us that much. 
So the last truth is, has to do with how well Jesus saves us. <laughs> how, how good of a job does Jesus do saving us? And that is that Jesus saves us to the uttermost. He saves us to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost. All who draw near to God through him, he is able to save to the uttermost because he's always interceding for them. An active process. He's always interceding for them. Every year at annual conference, um, we always sing that great Charles Wesley hymn, And Are We Yet Alive? And this year, even though we had to have it virtual, we couldn't gather together. We, we sang it online, And Are We Yet Alive? Um, there's a line in that hymn that, that I want to, to read to you because it really stands out about how Jesus saves us to the uttermost. It says, Then let us make our boast in his redeeming power, which saves us to the uttermost till we can sin no more. He saves us to the uttermost till we can sin no more. How in the world does he do that? How does Jesus Christ, our Savior, save us to the uttermost? And it helps me to think about it in, in, in kind of three parts. One is that Jesus has saved us um, by taking our sins, by dying on the cross, by rising again and defeating death, hell, and the grave. Um, he saves us. He has saved us 2,000 years ago on Calvary, right? And then the second part of that is that Jesus is saving us. As, as Wesleyan Christians, we call this sanctifying grace, and that is the truth that, that in God and through the Holy Spirit, God is always working inside of us, saving us now, detoxifying us now. The word salvation in the New Testament means a bunch of different stuff. It means to rescue, it means to deliver, it means to heal, the whole package God is working to detoxify us from the effects of sin in our lives even now. And we may not be where we want to be. We know that, right? God's still working on us. But we also know, if we look at it objectively, that we're not where we used to be and that God's grace, God's sanctifying grace, has been at work in us from the time we said yes to Jesus. And it will continue God will continue to do that work in us and continue to make us look more like Jesus. Jesus is saving us. And then the third part is that Jesus will finally save us because there will come a day when we will join those who are around the throne of God and we will be finally saved. And there's a, a hymn, this one is, was, was written by William Cooper. There is a fountain filled in with blood and verse 3 says dear dying lamb thy precious blood will never lose its power till all the ransom church of god be saved to sin no more that's our final salvation when we are saved to sin no more and we're not there yet i'm not there yet but we know that that will that day will come there will be a day there someday Jesus is our Savior. He has saved us. He is saving us. And he will finally save us to the uttermost. And wow, what good news that is. It should make us smile. It should make us smile as big a smile as the Jesus Cowboy has. Have you ever seen the Jesus Cowboy? If you're driving out of Tuscaloosa... If you drive out of Tuscaloosa and you're on the old Highway 11, you get to this intersection. There's an intersection. There's a Bojangles up on the, uh, up on the hill there. And there's this guy that stands out at that intersection. And he's got a cowboy hat on. He's always there. Have any of y'all seen the Jesus cowboy? And he holds up a sign that says, Jesus will save you. And he's got the biggest grin on his face. The first time I saw him, I was kind of kind of cringed a little bit because I've seen some people around. There, there's a guy in Rainbow City that 
that holds up signs that basically says you're all going to hell. And it kind of makes you cringe. But this guy was so joyful and he was smiling so big and he had a sign up that said Jesus will save you. And I was like, honk, honk, yeah, Jesus, cowboy, because he waves at everybody. And he's saying, look, you've got a savior. You've got a savior. He, has sa- he saved you 2,000 years ago when he died for your sins and rose again. He is saving you right now because I know you need healing and I know you need rescuing and deliverance even now. And one day he will save you to the uttermost. Man. Man, how marvelous, how wonderful. What a Savior. Do you know him? Let's pray. Lord, I think about that, uh, that great Martin Luther hymn, Savior of the nations, come. Virgin Son, here make thy home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. How much you love us, Lord, to know how desperately we need a Savior. How much you love us to give us, Lord, salvation to provide that for us. Help us, Lord, even now to say, Savior of the nations, come and here in our hearts, here in our hearts right now, make thy home until we are saved to sin no more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the place. And the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous
as the angels did sing the good news that unto us is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. If you want to know more and dig a little bit deeper into what it means is Jesus uh, is our Savior, come join us on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Join us online or join us in person. We're going to look at the second chapter in Adam Hamilton's book, Incarnation, uh, about Jesus as Savior. And now hear this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.